Section thirty four of Memoirs of Miss Sidney Biddulph. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Memoirs of Miss Sidney Biddulph by Francis Sheridan. Volume three continued. November the ninth. Who shall say now is the measure of my griefs complete? Providence, thou canst inflict no more. O oh, my sister, in the midst of other sorrows, I thought not of one that still remained behind my children, my two little angels, both dangerously ill. The smallpox is their distemper, and of the worst kind. The disease has been hanging over them for some days, and my close attendance on them prevented me from using my pen. The cruel distemper now appears with the most malignant symptoms. The eldest always slept with me. I have resigned my bed to her for these last three nights, and have watched by her. Patty has done the same by the youngest. A humane and skilful physician attends them, but my reliance rests not on him. November the twelfth. Three days and nights of sorrowful anxiety have at length produced a little comfort to me. The distemper has now reached one crisis, whence the physician can form a judgment with some degree of certainty, and he bids me hope. Oh, if it were not for that healing word, how could the wretched drag on existence from day to day? I do, I will hope, for there is a merciful providence that superintends his works. November the 21st thank god thank god my cecilia the dear babes are out of danger fifteen melancholy days and nights as their disconsolate mother watched by the poor little sufferers but i am fully repaid by having them restored to my prayers they are now able to sit up and open their pretty eyes which had been closed for many days and to add to my satisfaction i think they will not be marked but they are still so feeble that it will be at least another fortnight before I can think of venturing their little tender frames out of doors. The physician's care and diligence deserved a greater recompense than I had it in my power to make him. However, what I have done has reduced me to a single guinea. But this affects me not. I shall make no difficulty of parting with some of my now unnecessary fineries, which neither I nor my children probably will ever again have any pretensions to wear. November the 22nd. I have felt the wounds of grief, the pangs of disappointment, and the smart of indignation, yet was my heart never more sensibly affected than it was just now by a circumstance proceeding from a cause very different from all these. I had taken out of my drawers a few superfluous ornaments, which I desired Patty to dispose of, as if they were her own, to the woman where we lodge, being things in her own way of business. The poor girl looked at me for some time with a grief in her countenance that pierced me to the soul. "'There is no need, madam,' said she, with her voice almost stifled. "'There is no need, I hope, as yet for this.' "'You don't consider, Patty,' said I, "'that the children's weak condition requires now a more than ordinary attention to their diet, "'and I have not sufficient to supply them long with such necessaries as they want. 
I have no occasion for these trifles, and I cannot see my little ones droop for want of such comfortable nourishment as may restore them to their strength. Nor shall they want it, madam, answered Patty. Don't be angry with me, madam, if I beg you will let me use my endeavours to supply them. What do you mean, said I? I know the goodness of your disposition, but how have you it in your power? You know, madam, said she, I am pretty expert at my needle, and as our landlady has always abundance of work on her hands, I undertook to assist her, and have for this fortnight past, while I was closely confined to Mrs. Room, finished a piece of curious work, for which she has this day paid me thirty shillings. You amaze me, said I. I never saw you employed otherwise than in the attendance on the child. I was afraid you would be displeased, madam, she replied, and always hid my work when you came into the room, which I could easily do, as it was only a fine piece of point which I was grounding, and as I sat up day and night, I had an opportunity of sticking almost constantly to it, which enabled me to do it in a fortnight, what to another hand would be a month's labour. Now, madam, with your leave I can go on in this manner, and though perhaps I cannot always earn so much, yet I am sure I can still procure enough to prevent your being drove to the necessity of parting with your apparel, till we are in a condition to leave such an expensive place as London is. And do you think, my dear Patty, said I, with tears of affection and gratitude in my eyes, that I will consent to take the fruits of your ingenuous and honest industry from you. No, no, if you can find time by these means to procure a little supply for your own pocket, do so, but I will not suffer you to expend a farthing of what you earn on my account. I saw she looked distressed and confounded. Excuse me, madam, said she, but I have made bold to lay out part of the money already. I thought the poor children would want a little wine to nourish them, and indeed, madam, your spirits want some support after your long fatigue. I have bought a few bottles of wine, madam, and some other little necessaries. I hope you will not take it ill. I pressed the affectionate creature's hand. I cannot be angry with you, Patty, for your goodness but such proofs of it as these distress me more than my wants could. I accept of your kindness for this time, but insist on your not doing such a thing again. If there be occasion for it, I can apply my needle as well as you, and would sooner do so than part with any of my things, since it gives you so much uneasiness. The poor girl was rejoiced at my acceptance of her friendly and tender offer, and produced her little purchase, which was indeed both seasonable and useful. November the 23rd. I had this day a letter from Lady V. I send you a copy of it. I condole with you, my dear Mrs. Arnold, on the afflicting loss you sustained in your good mother's death. You mention not any particular consequences from this accident, but I know that by Lady Biddulph's death you are deprived of a considerable part of your income, and on this account I have taken the liberty of friendship to send you a supply which your family cause may require till your affairs are settled upon a better footing. 
let me know how you and your brother stand if he should not be so kind to you as he ought i insist upon your looking on me as your banker who know not how to make so good a use of my income as sharing it with those i love as to you i am etc the supply which lady v mentioned accompanied this letter and was a bank bill of three hundred pounds i own to you my cecilia that my first emotions were only those of joy surprise and gratitude for so unexpected and important a donation but when those were a little subsided i began to reflect on the nature and manner of this noble act of friendship i know lady v is one of the best women living that she is generous and compassionate and has always honoured me with a particular regard yet i must confess to you her present now comes to me suspected i believe i told you that lady v had retired into lancashire to live with an only sister she has there this lady is a widow and i have since been informed was left with a very numerous young family and an income scarce sufficient to support them genteelly they are now most of them grown up and all the girls of which there are five unprovided for since lady v's departure i have been told that it was principally on account of these young girls of whom she is extremely fond that she went to reside with her sister in order to support them more agreeably to their rank their father having been a general officer and a man of high birth lady v's jointure is a thousand pounds a year but as i hear the family make a respectable figure in the country i am sure lady v's fondness for her nieces would induce her to save what she could in order to leave them something at her death i cannot reconcile it to her prudence notwithstanding the liberality of her spirit and the friendship she has for me that she should make so considerable a present and at the same time give me as it were an unbounded letter of credit on her had she sent me the sixth part of the sum i should not have doubted it being only the effects of her kindness towards me and in her present situation as considerable a proof of it as she ought in regard to her family to have given to one whom she is already bound under strong obligations but the largeness of the sum renders it suspicious and to tell you the secret inspirations of my heart i fear it comes from a different quarter i made mrs falkland acquainted with my mother's death about the same time that i informed lady v of it to neither did i give the most distant hint of my circumstances yet mr falkland knows they cannot be happy he too knows better than anybody how far sir george's resentment may carry him is it not natural then my dear to imagine that this man who is generosity itself should have taken this method of making lady v the channel through which he conveys his liberality i am sure it must be so it is three weeks since lady v had the notice of my mother's death why thought she not sooner of reaching out her supporting hand if she imagined i stood in need of it i gave her no cause to believe i did otherwise i made no question of her real friendship as far as her abilities would go 
but she could not know as well as mr falkland how much my brother was exasperated against me and therefore could not suppose me to be as destitute as i really am she desires to know how my brother and i stand this question is not hers sir george for his own credit perhaps has not told mr falkland what his conduct has been towards me but he wants to be informed contriving man i will disappoint him nor shall he heap such obligations on me as must sink me under their weight i will not receive this suspected gift of lady v s but it is a delicate point and whilst i refuse i must take care not to offend i will send lady v her bill back again but in such a manner as to show her i refuse her gift for no other reason but its being too valuable november the twenty fourth see my cecilia whether i have succeeded in my endeavours to refuse with a good grace my lady v s offered kindness this is my answer to her to lady v you oppress me my dear and ever honoured lady v by a generosity and friendship that shows no bounds why will you force me to appear proud or ungrateful by refusing the favours of so true a friend but my dear madam do not believe me either the one or the other had you sent me a trifling token of your love you would have been convinced of my respect for you by the thankfulness with which i would have accepted it but do not seek to humble me so far my good lady v by heaping favours on me which i can never have a prospect of returning with equal respect and gratitude permit me madam to return your too considerable present i cannot in honour receive a liberality which i am so little entitled to and the less as justice now demands that your bounteous heart so diffusive in its generosity should a little restrain itself i cannot say that my circumstances are as happy as they have been yet have i i thank heaven accommodated my mind to them my brother has not been in town since my mother's death but i am not without hope that he will make my situation easy on this account i know my dear lady v will the more readily pardon my refusal of her obliging offer and i believe that her goodness is not bestowed on an unthankful heart i am etc in this letter i re-enclosed her bill and have sent it off did i not well my cecilia if as i strongly suspect this present came from mr falkland i should never endure myself had i retained it if it should have really come from lady v herself i must still approve my own conduct the sum circumstance as she is now was certainly too much for her to bestow or me to receive and in the manner of my refusal i think i have insinuated this with as much deference for lady v s judgment as i could show she will see my motive and i think that will be a sort of touchstone whereby i shall discover from her behaviour whether my doubts are well grounded or not patty has by her inquiries heard of a little pleasant retirement in the country about fifty miles off where my children and i can be tolerably lodged and boarded for thirty pounds a year at the house of an honest farmer a relation of hers thither i shall repair as soon as my little girls are in a condition to be removed 
Continued by Patty. November the 26th. The dismal task has fallen upon me again to keep an account of our melancholy days. My dear suffering lady is seized with a fever and confined to her bed. She orders me, madam, to write down everything as it happens. Lord keep us, there is nothing but sorrows in this world. I am sure at least my poor lady has had her full share of them. Her close attendance on the children and the loss of rest for so many nights has brought this new affliction on her. Oh, madam, the loss of health is a grievous thing, even when there are riches. But what must it be in my lady's circumstances? But she has the patience of Job himself. To be sure, madam, her trials are enough to put another beside themselves, but I think my lady's courage increases with her troubles. I was obliged to-day, with an aching heart, to dispose of a fine lace head of my lady's. I heard her say it cost sixty pounds, but though it never was wet but once, I got but fifteen for it, and this perhaps may all go to the doctor if my lady's illness continues long. What does it signify? We cannot buy health too dear. November the 30th. My lady is better between whiles. The doctor says her disorder is chiefly on her spirits, and though it is not dangerous, he is afraid it will be very tedious. Lord, what will become of us all? December the 3rd. My lady has had a letter this day from Lady V, which she has ordered me to send you, madam, a copy of. To Mrs. Arnold. You cannot imagine, my dear Mrs. Arnold, how uneasy you have made me by your not accepting of the bill I sent you, because I too well know the occasion you have for it. But since you have refused, and I know the sincerity and strength of your resolutions, I must not take to myself the merit of this friendly and generous offer, too liberal indeed, as you with great delicacy hinted, for me to make. To let you into the secret at once, and that your gratitude may be directed to the proper place, it was from our noble friend Mr. Falkland that I received that sum, with instructions to send it to you as from myself for he well knows you would not have accepted it from him. But, since I see you are determined to reject it as coming even from me, I think I ought in justice to him to place this act of friendship to the right account. I had a letter lately from Mr. Falkland, wherein he tells me that, having heard from your correspondence with Mrs. Falkland of Lady Bidolph's death, he fears you are, by her loss, rendered extremely unhappy in your circumstances. He is not a stranger to the losses you formerly sustained in your fortune, and he says besides, he knows your brother's warm temper so well, that he is apprehensive he will carry an unreasonable resentment he has taken up so far, as to deny you that brotherly kindness and assistance which you have a right to expect from him. If this should be the case, he adds, what must be Mrs. Arnold's situation? He then conjured me to convey to you that trifle, as he calls it, under the sanction of my own name, that being the only one from which he had a hope it would not be refused, and he farther said that if you should be prevailed upon, on account of the friendship which he knew there was between you and me, 
to accept of my service, he would contrive from time to time to furnish you with such little supplies as might make you easy, till Sir George and you should be on better terms. Now, my dear Mrs. Arnold, you have the truth of this whole affair. I own it was with great reluctance I lent my name to impose on you, but as it was so much for your benefit, I overcame my scruple. I could wish your extreme nicety had not forbid you to accept this offer. I have reason to be angry with you on this account. Yet, my amiable, sagacious friend, perhaps you had your doubts. Be that as it will, remember, you said you would not have refused a small token of my love. I wish I could send you unworthy of your acceptance and the love I bear you. We should then see whose punctilio should get the better. As it is, I send you a very small token, which I insist on your taking, if you have the least occasion for it. If this should be the case, I know the candour of your heart, and that you will be too ingenuous to grieve me by a refusal. I hope Mr. Falkland will not be angry with me for betraying his secret, but what would it now avail to keep it? I would have you as well as myself know his worth. Oh, how I lament! But it is to no purpose. Adieu, my dear good creature, you are tried like fine gold, and your excellence is become the more conspicuous by adversity. I am, etc. My lady's spirits were greatly affected by reading this letter. She wept bitterly, and was so cast down all day I was afraid it would make her disorder much worse. The good lady V enclosed a bill of fifty pounds in it. My lady said she must not refuse it, but would thank her ladyship whenever she was able to take a pen in her hand. God knows when that will be, for though she struggles with her illness, it still gets the mastery. The two young misses mend but slowly. They do not gather the least strength, and one of them has such a weakness in her eyes that she cannot bear the least light. Indeed, madam, this is a most melancholy family. I pray to God night and day to keep me in health, more for their sakes than my own, for I think it would quite break my heart if they should want my attendance, and should not be able to give it to them. December the 6th. I write on, madam, as I am ordered, though I have but little to say, in the confinement of a dismal sick-room where I never see anybody but a doctor and an apothecary. But my lady is unwilling to let this packet go, till she is able herself to tell you with her own hand that she is better, for fear my dull account should make you uneasy. December the 7th. There is such changes and turns in my lady's disorder that we do not know what to make of it. One while we think she is a little better, and then again the next hour she seems much worse than before. The doctor would have a consultation, though my lady is quite against it, but these doctors love to bring in one another. My lady V's present came in good time, but if they go on at this rate it will not last long. My lady said to me to-day, Patty, I would think that I was of great consequence and mighty happy by this bustle to preserve my life, but there is the tie, pointing to the children. For their sakes I must try to get well. 
after an interval of six weeks written by mrs arnold in a hand scarce legible january the twentieth restored at length by the mercy of god from the jaws of death restored to my children to my dear cecilia and just able to tell her with a feeble hand that her sydney lives january the twenty fifth i am now able my dear to reassume that task once the most pleasing of my life when health joy and prosperity gilded all my days the scene is now changed and i think i have nothing the same about me but the feelings and affections of my mind you cannot imagine my dear cecilia how i am altered you would not say now that you envied my white and red you would hardly know me and it is not to be wondered at preyed on as i have been for near two months by a slow but tormenting fever it is with difficulty that i hold my pen but my willing hand obeys my heart when it would pour itself out to thee i have made a shift to scrawl a few lines to my good lady v to thank her for her kindness i could not refuse it it would indeed have been disingenuous considering the footing on which she put my acceptance of it i should have been driven to extreme straits if it had not been for her present confined as long as i have been to the languishing bed of sickness january the twenty sixth patty heard to-day that my brother has been in town some time but he takes no notice of me i have not a relation in the world but himself he could not sure be so cruel if he knew all but lady sarah keeps it from him she thinks perhaps i am slunk into some obscure corner where she leaves me to distress sir george is not of a savage nature yet his humanity is not strong enough to seek out the afflicted his pride too i know is gratified by having me out of the way of observation and so long as i do not call upon him i find he will not inquire after me the winter is now so far advanced and i am in a condition so extremely weak that i cannot till the spring advances a little think of taking my flight to my peaceful retreat in the country i look eagerly forward to the time of my enlargement such i may call it for indeed my dear my spirits are quite exhausted with my long confinement in a little close lodging in this irksome town january the twenty seventh the gentlewoman with whom i lodged in st albans street told patty who went to her house to-day to inquire if there were any letters for me that there have been at different time several people of my former acquaintance to look for me but i do not find that one inquiry has come from my brother i had given the gentlewoman instructions not to tell any stranger where i lodged i believe this caution was needless there are few who give themselves the trouble to trace out the steps of the unhappy and i dare say that those whom common form obliged to pay me a visit of condolence on my mother's death were none of them much hurt at the disappointment of not finding me. End of section 34